welcome to another C3 Church Rockingham podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au. I've got a message tonight that's really been uh, gestating on the inside of me for a while. And so I'm pretty, pretty pumped to release it tonight and just through the communication in the pre-service meeting and prayer, just a couple of things that Pastor Carolyn was sharing. I thought, mm, okay, I, I think... I think this might be God timing. So this word tonight, um, for some I get a sense that it's gonna be so simplistic that it could be offensive. But for others, I know that there are some principles that we're gonna look at tonight from the Word of God, which I think you're gonna take away with you and you're gonna smack a snack on and digest over the next couple of days and couple of weeks. And as sure as I'm standing here in front of you, I believe with all my heart that this truth has the potential to change your world. That's a big statement, but I know it to be true. The title of my message today is Stop Praying for What He's Already Provided. As Christians, we can pray some dumb prayers and I put myself in that category. They're really sincere, but they're dumb because who knows that you can be sincere, but be sincerely wrong. Let me give you an EG. We pray a really, sim- uh, um, a, a really sincere prayer. God, be with us today. But the reality is that Hebrews 13, as we've already heard tonight, tells us that He's promised us that He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So we're praying for something that He's already provided. So it's kind of a dumb prayer. David wrote in Psalm 23, even at my toughest times, even in my darkest hour, you are there with me. Your goodness and your mercy follow me. So we're praying for something that we already have. Let me give you another one that's a little bit more controversial. We pray a sincere prayer for revival. God, we pray for revival. God, bring revival. God, pour out your spirit. Yet Jesus Himself said, don't say the kingdom of heaven is over there or over here, for the kingdom of heaven is on the inside of you. So that tells me I should stop praying for revival and I should put my big boy pants on and I should start being revival. There is a kingdom on the inside of me. There are rivers on the inside of me that God wants me to go and release. So I want you to come back with me right to the, uh, the, the beginning of the book, where it all started. Genesis 1. We know that in the beginning, God created. Day one, He created light. Day two, He created the sky. Day three, He created the land, the seas and the vegetation. Day four, He created the sun, the moon and the stars. Day five, He created the fish and the birds. Day six, He created the animals and then He created us. What's important about the story of creation is not just what God created, but the order in which God created them. This is gonna set a platform for my premise that we need to stop praying for things that He's already provided. So for example, have you ever seen a fish out of water? It, it doesn't fare too well, does it? 
So God didn't create fish until He first created the ocean for them to swim in. I know this is simplistic, but this hopefully will help somebody. He didn't create birds until He first created the sky for them to fly in and vegetation for them to nest in. He didn't create the animals until He created the land and something for them to eat. So He created the environment for them before He even introduced them into the environment. When Tanya and I found out that we were pregnant with Angie, uh, I was very excited and very terrified all at the same time, as you are. But I quickly kind of felt like a third wheel in the whole deal. Like, what, what part do I have to play in this? Tan's pregnant, she's feeling pregnant, she's acting pregnant, <laughs> she's starting to look pregnant, and I'm just kind of along for the ride. And so my way of trying to connect with this life event that was taking place is every time I went to the shops, I bought nappies. I know that sounds a bit silly, but that was my way of feeling like I was making a contribution. By the time Angie came along, we had a stockpile of nappies so big we could have sunk the Titanic. But you might not have bought nappies, but you've done the same thing. Before Junior has come along, you've bought every appliance and gadget and whatever out there, a lot of which they will never even use. You grandies know what I'm talking about. You buy that many clothes that they're never gonna wear half of them before they've already grown out of them. But you want to provide everything they need before they're introduced into the world. When I was a kid, I used to like tropical fish. I was a bit daggy like that. And one of the things I'd love to do was ride my bike down to the aquarium place and pick out these fish that I had my eye on and then ride back. I don't know whether you're familiar, but the clear plastic bag that's got the fish swishing around in them. You know, when I got home, never did I get home and go into my bedroom and go, forgot the aquarium part. No, no, I got the aquarium first and then I got the gravel and I got the filtration system and the heater and the light and put driftwood in there and put plants in there, filled it up with water, heated the water, tested the water, made sure the, you know, it wasn't too alkaline and too acidic. Then once the environment was right, then I introduced the fish into the equation. I'd already provided what they would need. It was true for the fish, it was true for the birds, it was true for the animals, and it was true for Adam. Verse 29 says, God gave to Adam every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it as food. It had already been laid out for him before he was introduced into it. Could you imagine if Adam a couple of hours into being created, he's having a conversation with God. He's like, God, I don't wanna sound ungrateful. Um, this is amazing, but I'm kinda hungry. Is there anything to eat? And God was like, oh man, I forgot the food part. And so he creates an orange tree. And so Adam eats the oranges and a couple of days later, Adam's having a conversation with God again, again. 
so respectfully. I, I don't want to sound ungrateful. These oranges are, are just the best oranges that there's ever been because they are the only oranges that's ever been. But it's getting a bit boring. Can you give me something else? And God's like, that's right. I created him with senses, with taste and touch and, and smell. And, and, and so then he created something. No, everything that Adam needed had already been provided for him. But this idea of provision extends beyond the Garden of Eden. Joshua chapter 1. The context is that Moses has died. The mantle of leadership has been handed over to Joshua. He's about to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. This is what God says to him. He says, I promise you, Joshua, what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. If you read that quick, you kind of miss it. But when I meditate on that, it's saying the same principle. Wherever you set your foot, future tense, you will be standing, present tense, on land I have given you, past tense. Everything Joshua needed had already been provided for him. He just needed to step into it. But extended beyond Eden, it extended beyond Joshua. We see the same thing in Elijah, 1 Kings 17. The context is that Elijah has prophesied that there would be uh, a drought. When there's a drought, there's no rain. When there's no rain, the vegetation dies. When the vegetation dies, the animals die. People start going hungry. So there's this drought. And God speaks to Elijah and says, hey, I want you to get up from here. I want you to go to the brook Kerith and I, you, the water in the brook that will sustain you. And I have directed, I have directed already the ravens to bring you food. It had already been set up. Elijah just needed to step into it. But can I just switch gears for a minute? What must have been going through Elijah's head? Okay, you want me to go to the brook? I'm gonna drink from the brook. It's making complete sense so far. Oh, you've had a conversation with birds and they're going to bring me food. I'm not really too sure about that. I don't know whether you've noticed, but there is a, there is a bit of an economic drought that is happening at the minute. There is, there is pressure, particularly if you're in the world of retail. So I wanted to say to someone here today, that the supply chains and sources that have sustained you to thus far may not be the supply chains and, and, and sources that are gonna sustain you into your future. And don't be surprised that God may drop an idea into your head that seems completely crazy, but one of the keys to unlocking the power and provision of heaven is obedience. Really? I'm going to a brook and birds are gonna feed me? Are you serious? But at your word, I will go. The very first miracle that Jesus performed was at a wedding. The bridegroom has run out of booze. How embarrassing. Mary says to the servants of the bridegroom, do whatever he tells you to do. Speaking of Jesus, Peter had been fishing all night, caught nothing. It's the morning, he's cold. He's probably hungry. He's probably a bit angry. Jesus said, cast in your net one more time. 
Jesus, I'm not sure whether you're aware, but I'm a professional and I'm telling you the fish aren't biting today, but at your word, I will cast my net in one more time. The brook eventually dries up. God speaks to Elijah again. Okay, this, this source has now, has now dried up, but there's another source. I want you to go over to this city and I have directed a widow. Really? We're in a drought. If you had a set of king, a prince or a, you know, someone that uh, was doing well in business maybe, but a drought and a widow, but still at your word, I will go. Everything Adam needed had already been provided. The land that Joshua was about to inherit, he had already been given. Everything that Elijah needed to sustain him had already been provided to him. It had been set up by God. I wanna say to someone today, it's a done deal. God has already done it. You've just gotta step into it. Let's fast forward into the New Testament. 2 Peter 1.3. Through His divine power, He has given to us He has given to us, not He might give to us, not He will give to us. He has already given to us everything that we need for life and godliness. He's given everything that we need. What's He given to us? Let me give you a couple of things. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, I have the mind of Christ. If you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard that, but have you ever meditated on that? Let's take a bit of time. John 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word was with God from the very beginning and through Him, all things were created. In verse 14, John then drills down to the detail and unpacks exactly who he's talking about so we can be crystal clear. He says, the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son that's been sent from the Father. So He's talking about Jesus. Jesus always was, Jesus always will be. And through Jesus, all things were created. I used to talk myself down by saying things like, I'm not that creative. I'm not that creative type. I don't talk like that anymore because I've been created in the image of God and He's the creator of the universe. Therefore, there is creativity running through my DNA. So I'm telling you that the answer that you could be looking for is on the inside of you right now. It's just a case of unlocking it. For some of you, you're going through circumstances that are so complex that you can't think straight. For some of you, maybe you have stalled in your career. Maybe you're in an industry and the industry is actually now being redundant because things change. And now you're facing the prospect of being made redundant. Maybe there's some business people here who need to think about new ways of diversifying because the old ways just aren't working it anymore. I wanna bind confusion over your world today and I wanna release clarity. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but love, power and a sound mind. I love the definition of sound mind. It means clarity of thought. So I wanna encourage you to stop meditating upon the problem, meditating upon the pressure of what's not happening and start meditating upon the reality that I have the mind of Christ, the one in whom everything was created. I have access to that. 
You know, when some people want to take a break at work, they go out and they have a cigarette. When I want to have a break at work because I work behind a desk, I play mahjong. Is anyone familiar with mahjong? So long story short, <laughs> long story short, it's like this tile game. There's a whole bunch of different style tiles, but there's many layers to the tiles. And the goal is you work against the clock to match up as many tiles as you can until all the tiles are gone, then it'll take you to another screen. And the idea is to get through as many as you can. The frustrating thing is there are some moments where you know there is another match there. The solution is staring you right in the face, but you just cannot see the wood for the trees. You know it's there. But there's this thing on the version of Mahjong that I play where you can change from a front view to a perspective view. So it means that you're no longer looking at it straight in front of you, but it kind of tilts to the side. And suddenly when you change perspective, you're starting to see things that were there the whole time, but you just couldn't see them before. So I'm praying for some of you that feel like you're stuck in your business or your career or your ministry or a complex circumstance. I'm praying that you are now gonna see things from a different perspective. You have clarity of thought. We bind confusion and we release the mind of Christ because you already have it. What else do we have? Psalm 512, I love this. His favour surrounds me like a shield. I stopped praying for favour the moment I got a revelation. I'm praying for something I already have. So I wanna say to someone today that when you submit that application tomorrow, you don't need to beg God. You don't need to throw yourself at the mercy of God. His favour is on you already. For your business people that are gonna send in some tenders, you don't need to cross your fingers and hope for the best. His favour surrounds you. A wise man once said to me, I have an unfair advantage in the marketplace because His favour surrounds me. You know, there's a difference between the world's definition of hope and God's definition of hope. Worldly hope looks like this. I've got my ticket into Powerball. So here's hoping. Worldly hope looks like this. I get my results back tomorrow. So fingers crossed for a good result. Worldly hope is nothing more than wishful thinking. God's definition of hope is very different. God's definition of hope is a joyful anticipation of good. So I don't pray for favour. By faith, I believe that I have already got Favor. I don't cross my fingers and hope for the best. Even when I'm going through difficult circumstances, I believe and have a joyful anticipation that everything is gonna turn out just right. Even when my circumstances are telling me something different. What else do we got? My head is anointed and my cup overflows. It's overflowing. That speaks to me about abundance. I'm, not, I'm just gonna stop meditating on the lack. I'm gonna start meditating on the supply, on the more than enough supply. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. I don't have to pray that it's there. It just follows me. Ephesians 2 verse six, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. 
That means that when I go through life, I don't go through life striving to attain victory, but I walk through life from a place of victory. Very different concept. I am the righteousness of God. I will never be more righteous than what I am right now because it's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with Him and what He has done for me. I am a new creation. Everything I need, I've already got. It's a done deal. Through His divine power, He has given to us. He has given to you everything that you need for life and godliness. In Ephesians in chapter one, when Paul wrote to the church, he said, hey guys, when I think of you, I pray. Of all the things that Paul could have prayed, he could have prayed for unity. He could have prayed for whatever. He prayed this, he prayed that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened. In other words, so that they would see the incomparably great power that is available to them, which is on the inside of them. So Paul wasn't praying that they would receive something, but he prayed that they would get a revelation of what they already had. So I don't know what your need is today, but I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you know what is on the inside of you right now. I wanna say to some of you today that the miracle that you're looking for is not out there. It's not over there. It's on the inside of you right now. So how do we step into it? How do we tap into it? How do we release it? Just wanna give you three thoughts because I'm a really old school Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> Three thoughts. You gotta see it. In the same letter to the Ephesians in chapter three, Paul wrote this, he said, God is able to do far more than you can ask, think or imagine. According to His mighty power, not that He's out there, but He's on the inside of you. The miracle is on the inside of you. What helps to unlock it? Imagination. What, it, what imagination comes from the word image. What is an image? It's a picture. God wants to give you a picture of your future, a picture of your destiny. This is how powerful imagination is. Genesis 11, I think it is. The people are walking around, they see this plane, they go, let's build a city here. Then they go, mm, let's build a tower. God comes down to suss out what they're doing. He says, wow, nothing that these guys imagine in their heart will be impossible to them. Can I suggest to you that imagination is a process? It can't be rushed. It's not like these people just stumbled into a plane and went, yep, city, tower, done. I, I kind of imagine that they would have gone, hey, this, this, looks, this looks okay. Could we make a city work here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be good. And someone else has gone, hey, this is a bit crazy, but we should, we should build a centrepiece in our city, something that's gonna make us stand out from everyone else. And everyone's like, that's, that's a great idea. What is that gonna be? Is that gonna be a bell tower? Is that gonna be a memorial? Is that gonna be a statue? Someone's gone, no, 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 let's, let's do something that we've never done before. Let's build a tower so big that it stretches up into the heavens. Wow, can that be done? We've not done that before. Can I expand my business? I don't, I've never gone that way before. Can I be the boss rather than the employee? I'm not sure. I've, ne I've not gone that way before. But they got an image. 
I said, well, if this thing's gonna be bigger than we've ever built before, we can't use the stones like we've been doing in the past. We're gonna make this sucker out of bricks and we need to put some mortar in there. I put it to you that they had a very clear image in their mind and the imagination unlocked the impossibility. Let's go right back to the beginning of the book where we started Genesis 1. Do you think when God created animals that He just said, I create animals? And then He went, what? What is with that donkey with the stripes? What? That's blowing my mind. And He went, what's that thing with the long legs and the neck that looks like a tree with stupid ears and a long tongue. I don't think anything that was created was a surprise to God because I think that everything that was created began as an image in God's mind and then it was created exactly according to what He saw. New Testament tells us about a woman with an incurable disease. I mean, this woman is a wreck. It says that she suffered much at the hand of physicians. She was no better. She was a, a pinup for someone that is emotionally, relationally, economically wrecked. But one day she hears about Jesus. Jesus has been healing people, raising people from the dead. She starts to think, if He did it for them, can He do it for me? And I think she would have Imagined, imagine what my life would look like if I was healed. Imagine what my life would look like if I owned my house. Imagine what my life would look like if I was debt free. Imagine what my life would look like if I went into that area of ministry. It all begins with a picture in your mind. And I wonder if some people here right now are thinking, hmm, This sounds a lot like just positive thinking. And to that I would go, uh, and uh, what's the alternative, people? I don't know about you, but we live in a negative world. I remember a couple of Sundays ago, uh, someone comes up to me. We're like two minutes away from starting the service. And this person came up to me I could just tell, we'd just finished a series called Go. It's about the Great Commission. I mean, who couldn't get into that series? I'm so glad we finished that series, Pastor. Wow, really? Yeah, just, it's just a bit wishy-washy. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty thin, really thin. I reckon you could have condensed four weeks into one and you still would have had too much time. I give it a six, barely a pass. I'm, we're two minutes away. Now, a few years ago, faith in the anointing would have been sucked out of me, but I've developed Teflon skin now. I used to say, thick skin, soft heart. You've probably heard about that. But I think the problem with that is it can make you a bit externally hard. So I would rather just be Teflon. You can just throw it at me, baby, and it's not gonna stick. It's just gonna... I remember when we did A Touch of Presence, Phil Pringle, hundreds of people, 
lots of pastors and leaders. Pastor Claude has asked me to do the offering the first night. I'm a little bit nervous. There's, there's some heavy hitters in the room, including Pastor Phil. I'm in the foyer. I get talking to a guy that used to come to this church, no longer is coming to this church. And when he said, oh, what are you, what are you doing? Are you doing anything? I said, yeah, I'm doing the offering tonight. He then launched into, oh, that's what I love about my new church. They never talk about money. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm like two minutes away from, <laughs> there's negative, there's negativity everywhere. You don't even have to look for it. So I choose to set my mind on things above. I choose to take Paul's advice that whatever is true and noble and pure, I'm gonna think about them. Rather than meditating on the yucky stuff, I'm gonna meditate on the fact that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I know this is really old school, but I'm blessed on the way in and I'm blessed on the way out. I'm like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water. I love this whose leaf never withers and who bears fruit in season and out. That means that I'm connected to a higher level of economy than the economy that's happening right now. I am recession proof, baby, because of God. Anyway. So once you see it, then you've got to vocalise it. The same wise man said to me, Faith is voice activated. God said, let there be. And it was so. The woman with the curable disease said, if I can touch the hem of His garment. Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves and they were calm. Jesus cursed a fig tree and it withered and died. Peter declared, dude, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. When you see it, you've got to say it. Jesus called forth Lazarus out of the tomb. Jesus said, speak to the mountains and tell it to move. Faith is voice activated. Sometimes we get hung up if we get a diagnosis. But you know, I like that I can name it. So if I, I, if I can diagnose it, then I can speak to it by name. So I speak to arthritis by name and I speak to blood conditions by name and I speak to chest problems by name. I, I call them out by name. See it, imagine it. Imagination opens the door for faith to explore. Imagination opens the door for your faith to entertain possibilities of what could be. See it, say it, believe it. If I can just touch the hem of His garment, I will be made well. Matthew 5, the centurion said, Jesus, don't bother. You don't need to come to my house. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. They were confident in what they were saying. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that 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 they say will happen, it will be done for them. I'm gonna wrap up with this point if the team wants to come or just sim, we'll be fine. Confession without belief is just noise. 
Confession without belief is just repeating someone else's revelation. It's just repeating what someone else has said. It's just repeating what you've read. But confession with belief will unlock the power of heaven. This is the end of the podcast. For more information about C3 Rockingham, please visit www.c3r.org.au or call us on 9524 5055.